Take your Bibles out this morning. What a wonderful opportunity we have just to, uh, in the message time, review once again. I think it's good that we do this periodically. Review what the main business of the church is to be. What the mission of the church is to be. So find uh, Matthew 28, but if you'd not only find Matthew 28, but also Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. Our Father's Business. Would you stand for the reading of God's Word, please? Matthew 28, beginning in verse 16, says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age." And then over in Mark chapter 4, beginning there in verse 21, Jesus said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, Pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Father, we thank you for this Sunday that we can come and and talk about missions. Father, we know that as we celebrate the birth of this nation this week. We know that, that America as well is a, is a mission field. Lord, there's missions all around us. Uh, all we need to do is open our eyes and open our ears and look and listen. As Jesus said, don't say yet four months and then will be an opportunity for harvest. I say unto you, look, open your eyes and look even now. The fields are white unto harvest. Lord, give us your eyes for a lost world, your ears, and your heart. And I pray that in faithfulness and obedience to the Great Commission, that we would be ambassadors for Christ, that we would be witnesses. Lord, you've not put us in charge of the results of the harvest. But you have told us that we're to sow the seed. And you're the Lord of the harvest. As we sow the seed, we can trust that in your sovereign grace and love, you will bring about faith. Lord, speak to us through these passages this morning and through the presentation that we'll be hearing today. In Jesus' name we pray. 
One of my favorite writers, I suppose, would have to be James Montgomery Boyce. Boyce says, I'm sure you've noticed in your study of the New Testament that nearly all of the resurrection appearances of Jesus end with Jesus telling those present to announce the good news. The New Testament indicates that there were at least ten appearances of the risen Lord plus another some years later to the Apostle Paul. In eight of these appearance accounts, Christ gives an explicit commission. And in five, he commands his followers to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Boyce goes on to write, he says, Matthew does not end his gospel with the resurrection itself. Even more striking, he does not include an account of Christ's ascension. Instead, he ends the gospel with the Lord's great commission. Apparently, it was evident to him, as it also should be to us, that the life and death of Christ should affect our speech and conduct. Boyce goes on to say these words are for all of Jesus' disciples, of course, not only for the apostles. They're for you if you've turned from your sin to trust Christ alone for your salvation and have become His disciple. If you have, then you are to work with other Christians to lead people to faith through the preaching and teaching of the gospel. Jesus said, you are my friends if you do what I command. As Boyce said, if we do not obey Jesus Christ, then we are not his friends. And he goes on to say, worse than that, we may not even be Christians. Folks, we've got to remember the very last assignment that Jesus gave to the church. It's so clear. And that's what I want us to look at this morning. What is the church's main business as far as our mission? Any organization, any institution justifies its existence only so far in so far as it carries out the purpose for which it was founded. And that's also true of the church of the Lord Jesus. Why are we here? Of course, we could talk about worship. God is certainly worthy of our worship. He's the only one who is. And the church is a body of believers is to gather together to give God the glory that is due His name. We're commanded to worship God not only privately but corporately and that's why every single believer is to be active in a church fellowship. The Bible says we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. We're to be a group of the redeemed who display what it is for God to dwell in our lives and in our midst. But what is our mission? And that's what we want to focus in on today. If there's a heaven and if there's a hell and if Jesus died on the cross to make it possible for people to go to heaven and not go to hell, then the most important mission of the church is to let people know that they don't have to go to hell. 
I want us to see our mission and the motivation and the power behind it and the assurance that we are given here as we carry it out. First thing I want you to notice with me today is His authority. In verse 18, Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He begins where? He begins not with the commission yet, but he, he begins by reminding us of his authority. And his is no weak or limited authority. His authority is superior to all other authorities, whether spiritual or demonic or earthly. In Ephesians 1, Paul says, And what is the immeasurable greatness of His power toward us who believe according to the working of His great might, that He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named not only in this age but in the one to come. Now during Jesus' earthly ministry, he demonstrated his authority over disease and sickness, over demons, over nature, over sin, and even over death. And in John 5, he points out how he has the authority to bring men before the tribunal of God and to condemn them either to eternal death or to give them eternal life. He said that he had the authority to lay down his life and to raise it up again. He has sovereign authority both to rule heaven and earth and to subjugate Satan and his demons to the eternal torment of the lake of fire. Even the prophet Daniel saw the authority that would be given to him. In his night vision he said he saw one like a son of man coming and he came up to the ancient of days and was presented before him and to him was given dominion glory and a kingdom that all the people's nations and men of every language might serve him his dominion is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed and obviously his dominion and his sovereignty extends over us and even over those who are not as of yet believers. Now folks, think of that. His authority extends to the very people to whom He sends us to proclaim the gospel. Nobody and nothing is outside of the scope of His sovereignty and authority. Now this is a statement given to give us great hope as we're involved in His work. Jesus has the authority to bring fruit from our efforts for it is through the exercise of His authority that men and women actually come to believe in Him. Dr. John R.W. Stott says the fundamental basis of all Christian missionary enterprise is the universal authority of Jesus Christ in heaven and on earth. If the authority of Jesus were circumscribed on earth, if he were but one of many religious teachers, one of many Jewish prophets, one of many divine incarnations, we would have no mandate to present him to the nations 
as the Lord and Savior of the world. If the authority of Jesus were limited in heaven, if he had not decisively overthrown the principalities and powers, we might still proclaim him to the nations, but we would never be able to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. Only because all authority on earth belongs to Christ, dare we go to all nations. And only because all authority in heaven as well as his uh, have we any hope of success? And so again, folks, before giving the commission, Jesus first established his absolute pervasive authority because otherwise the command might have either seemed hopeless for us to be able to carry out with any level of success or we might be tempted to simply ignore it altogether. What an encouragement these words are. In just a moment we're going to see how we're to be about the business of going and touching people for Christ. And you might be sitting there thinking I could never do something like that. But we need to begin by remembering how Jesus said all power is given to me in heaven and on earth. Jesus never asked us to do something that he wasn't going to supply us with the power and the resources to carry it out. When he gave these words, I want you to understand that it was geographically and physically impossible compared to today, and yet they went. It was numerically impossible. He was talking on top of the 11 disciples to a group of about 500 people and, and, and it would have been impossible with those numbers and yet they went and turned their world upside down. It was impossible financially. I've read that the early church at this time, their collective wealth together, if you could compare it to... Uh, today's dollars in America all of the believers together their resources would have probably equaled something like $10,000 and yet they went it was legally impossible it was against the law in many parts of the ancient world to speak or preach or teach in the name of Jesus and yet they went and it was socially impossible. Christians were considered the rejects of society. And yet they began to get it all done. Now how in the world were they able to launch out and turn their world upside down the way they did? Well, it's because of what Jesus says right here in verse 18. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. His authority. Secondly, I want you to notice his assignment. Look there beginning at verse 19. He says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you even to the end of the age. Notice Jesus says here to go into all the nations. It's the second all. First we saw all authority. Now we're to go in his authority to all nations. Jesus cares for all. Red, yellow, black and white. They're precious in his sight. 
You'll remember in Luke chapter 15 how Jesus was being criticized by some of the religious leaders because of who he was associating with. He was associating with some of the outcasts of society of that day and he was being criticized by that. And in Luke 15 he begins telling a series of parables about the heart of the Father for lostness. And he tells about that man who has a uh, hundred sheep and, and they've been out grazing in the fields during the day and, and it's time to get them all in the sheepfold that evening and he begins to count his little flock and he gets all the way up to 99 and oh wait a minute we left with a hundred there's just 99. And Jesus said he leaves the 99 in charge of others and he goes to that one and he searches and he searches and he searches and he simply will not give up until he finds that lost sheep and he throws it across his shoulders and he comes back rejoicing. That's the heart of the Father. He wants us going to all nations. We're to put a priority on our missionary activity. John MacArthur says if you were to survey congregations to find out what people really want to put first, some would say fellowship. We just want fellowship with other believers. And he says their key verse would be, By this all men will know that you're my disciples if you have love one for another. And that's certainly true. He said others would say teaching, we're to gather together and they would quote Ephesians 4 about how God has given pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints. Again, true. Others would say worship and praise and they would quote all the verses in the Bible that have to do with God's people singing and praising. Again, true. But as MacArthur writes, the mission that flows out of our loving fellowship, our spiritual growth, and our praise is that of being God's faithful and obedient instruments in His divine plan to redeem a lost world. Paul rejoiced that God's grace, which was spreading to more and more people, may cause the giving of thanks to abound to the glory of God. Folks, every single time a lost sinner is saved, that is essentially one more voice being added to that great hallelujah chorus. How tragic that so oftentimes we get preoccupied with trivialities. The resources God has provided are for the most part barely tapped when it comes to our mission. The contemporary church is blessed with previously unheard of means of proclaiming the saving message of the gospel. But like the world at large, it's frequently crippled by indulgent and self-centered preoccupation. Folks, Matthew's gospel is the most Jewish gospel of all. Luke's has more of a Gentile audience and yet Matthew is the one who records Jesus saying, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. 1929 when the Soviet government wanted to wipe out the church, you know what they did? 
They passed a law not to close church buildings, not to prohibit worship services on Sunday mornings, but rather instead to make it a crime to carry the message of the church, the message and the work that was going on inside of the walls of the church. They made it a crime to carry that to the world outside. It seems what the Soviet communists did by decree in 1929, we are tragically doing today by default. Jesus said go. And make disciples is the main thought, but in the process of making disciples, what's involved? Going. Now going is not the imperative here. Making disciples is, but in the Greek construction here, uh, the going... uh, uh, grammarians talk about how going also assumes that imperatival force. But it's assumed that if we're out making disciples, what will we be doing? We will be going. You know, last year, I don't know if you remember or not, but I challenged every Sunday school class. I wonder if you've done it. I challenged every Sunday school class to make sure you had an empty chair in your room. And that empty chair in your room every week would be a constant reminder who does the Lord want us reaching. Jesus said in Acts 1.8 it begins in your Jerusalem right where you are and then it spreads out from there. We don't always know who to go to first. You go to those in your circles of influence. And then after that, just open your eyes. What's God doing around you? Where is God inviting you to join Him? This week we've been studying Paul's travels in the book of Acts. And you'll remember in Acts chapter 16, Paul wanted to go this direction, that direction, this direction. And every which way he turned, it's like, boom, the door closed. And one night all of a sudden... What was the vision that he got? What was the vision? The Macedonian vision. A man from Macedonia, Paul saw in a dream that night, in a vision that night. And what was that guy saying? Come over here and help us. And Paul said, we concluded from that that God was sending us that direction. And then what happened as a result of that? The gospel ended up going west instead of east. And by going west into Europe and finally to us. Aren't you thankful for that Macedonian vision? Saying come over here and help us. What's our ultimate goal? It's to make disciples. What's a disciple? A disciple is a follower of Jesus Christ whose life bears fruit for the glory of God. And so clearly we're not just to make converts but disciples. Why do we follow this plan? Because people are lost. I want you to see what Jesus said in Mark chapter 4 that relates to this. Look over at Mark chapter 4 again. It says, He said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except it be made manifest, nor is anything secret except come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. 
Tonight, when you get done with all your daily activities of this day, maybe you go home after, after dark and your home is pitch black and you walk into your family room and you reach over there on the end table and you click that lamp on. Why do you click that lamp on? So you can see. So you can see. What's the purpose of a lamp? It's to light up a room. It's to illuminate so we can see. And that's what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, is, is a lamp brought in to you? Would you dare walk in? How silly it would be to walk in your house tonight. Cut on that lamp and then go get a big old trash can. Turn that trash can upside down and put it over top of that lamp. How foolish. But don't we sometimes conceal the light? In the Greek text it says the lamp. And so some scholars have concluded what Jesus is talking about is himself. He's the lamp who came into the world so the world could know God. He's the light of the world and as lights too we're to reflect his light. That's our role. That's what we're supposed to do. And likewise, he didn't send his followers into the world to be uh, concealed. So many people today seem to be working to try to hide or conceal the Christian message. Dr. Stephen Olford, one of the greatest preachers in modern times, recently went home to be with the Lord. He was up in his 80s, maybe close to 90. His son now is running this great uh, preaching clinic over near uh, Memphis, Tennessee after a pastoring. Dr. Stephen Olford was training other pastors in expository preaching. Great man of God. He said too many Christians are like an Arctic river frozen at the mouth. Jesus didn't commission us to be quiet but to preach the gospel. I want you to remember a lamp is intended to shine. A, a Christian is intended to bear witness. Verse 22 points out further uh, all of the purposes of God, past, present, and future, will ultimately be made known. For now the world tries to darken the light and the world tries to hinder the Christian's message. But be of good cheer, God wins. We know the last chapter. I promise, Lord willing, we're, if the Lord gives us time, we're going to get back to Revelation. We're going to see that last chapter, okay? Now look at what he says in verse 23 there. It's a call to listen up in Mark 4, 23. He said, if anyone has the ears to hear, let him hear. It's amazing how many times in the New Testament God says, if you have ears to hear, hear. And those churches we studied in the book of Revelation, Revelation 2 and 3, did you notice the invitation at, at the end of every single one of those letters? He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. We need to have ears for the things of God. 
He goes on here in verses 24 and 25 to explain why. He said, he said to them, pay attention to what you hear with the measure, measure you use. It'll be measured to you and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Folks, we see the principle here that you can't outgive God in anything. We see here how God blesses faithfulness. If you listen and respond to what God teaches you, what does God do? He gives you more. That applies to so many things in the Christian life. You sit before the Lord's Word every day in a prayerful spirit, diligently studying the Word. What's going to happen? You say, oh God, help me to see what your Word is teaching me and help me to put it into practice in my life. And it's like the Lord just opens your understanding up and He blesses you with more and you continue and He blesses you with more. Churches are about the Father's business and God blesses them with more and more and more and more and more. And likewise, those who shut it, everything up and don't give themselves to the Lord's word or prayer or the Lord's work it's like everything inside of you just kind of dries up right if you're faithful it's like the Lord just keeps giving and blessing if you're not faithful it's like the Lord just kind of dries up even what you've got that's why Dr. Adrian Rogers remember him Mr. Southern Baptist went home to be with the Lord a couple of years ago. Giant in Southern Baptist life. Few men on the face of the earth can preach like Dr. Adrian Rogers did. You can still hear his program, Love Worth Finding is the website. Love Worth Finding, Dr. Adrian Rogers. You know what Roger said? He said, in every church out in the lobby, out in the foyer, we need to hang a visible sign when everybody walks through the doors of the church. And that sign ought to read as you come into a church house, warning, warning, church attendance may be hazardous to your health. He explained what he meant by that. Because you're going to be accountable before God one day for the message that you're about to hear. He said you're going to be held accountable for the message that you're about to hear had you stayed awake and listened. <laughs> Boy now, what, what, that'd be a church sign to put up, wouldn't it? In a church. Warning, church attendance may be hazardous to your health. We've got to remember his assignment here. Lastly, I want you to see his assurance. Look at verse 20 in our text. What does he promise us in verse 20? He says, Behold, I am with you. Where or how long? Always. To the end of the ages. Amen. As we go, folks, we go with two promises. We have the promise of His authority backing us up. Ambassadors don't go in their own name and authority and with their own message. We have His power backing us up and we have His presence as we're about His business. His presence. 
beginning of Matthew's gospel, you'll remember, when the, when the angel came and told Mary and Joseph about the birth of Jesus, you'll call his name what? Emmanuel. You remember what that meant? What Emmanuel mean? God with us. And now Jesus is saying, I'm with you still, even unto the ends of the age as you go out in my name and are about my business. Folks, every person in this room has two mandates. First mandate is to believe upon Jesus. First John says, and what is the command of God? Doesn't say what's the option or the suggestion. What is the command of God? It's to believe in the name of His only Son. Second mandate, if you know Him, make Him known. Amen? There's an old story, I forget what country it was, but it was their Coast Guard. Noticed at the concert last night, we had one stand in a salute to the military. Uh, Steve, stand up in the Coast Guard song. And there, this country that had a Coast Guard and bad weather, a terrible storm out at sea, and, and a mother had two sons. One of them was a fisherman, and he was out to sea in the middle of that storm, and the reports coming in is that nobody anywhere was a survivor who was out at sea during that storm. And her second son was a member of their Coast Guard. And they were sent out and she said, oh, please don't go, don't go, don't go. From the reports that are coming in, in all probability, one of my boys is already dead. Don't go. I couldn't bear to lose you both. Of course he went. It was his duty and calling. And she worried herself sick. And when they were coming back in, he sent word back, back to his mother. He said, please get word to my mother that I'm okay. And I found my brother and we're both safe and coming home. You never know who it is. You might end up going and reaching, right? Come to Christ today if you don't know Him. Perhaps right now you need to write somebody's name in the flyleaf of your Bible and begin praying for them to come to faith in the Lord Jesus. Maybe you want to come to this altar today and say, God help us as a body of believers to remember what our mission is. And in our Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth, help us to be found faithful. Maybe you feel led to become a part of a church that wants to go out in Jesus' name and be found faithful. Will you come forward in the invitation time as well? Make your wishes known. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the clarity of the commission that you give us here. Father, we thank you that 
You saw to it that the commission was given over and over again. In Jesus' last days on the earth before he ascended back to you, several different places where he made his assignment to the church clear. In John 20, 21, he said, As the Father has sent me, even so send I you. God, each one of us in here today who name the name of Christ, help us to be mindful of those in our circles of influence. Are we doing anything to try to reach them for Christ? Are we doing anything? Do we ever share our testimony with a lost co-worker or friend at school? Do we ever testify of what Jesus has done in us? Do we ever take part in your mission? God forgive us for the way that we get preoccupied about so many things in life. And we're blind to what ought to be a priority. Forgive us. Forgive us. Help us. Give us strength to be about our Father's business. In Jesus' name we pray.